and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Post Party Project. In today's episode, I chat with the lovely Claudia. She is a first-time mama to her daughter, Sadie. Today, she opens up about the anxiety she had throughout her pregnancy, which is something I haven't covered before on this podcast. And Claudia really opens up about what she went through and how she got through it. She had an extreme needle phobia, but pushed through in order to get the epidural, which unfortunately slipped out and she needed to have it three times, which would really pushed the limits of the phobia. Her birth involved suction, forceps and an episiotomy and she had she's found the recovery to be a lot tougher than what she expected. Unfortunately, she had a bit of damage to her pelvic floor, which she's now working on as well. Um, Claudia went through quite a lot, but she's so in love with her daughter. She said she'd do it all again in a heartbeat, which is amazing. (laughs) Um, I also wanted to quickly mention my other business, Bev's Buzz Break. So it is a lower percentage caffeine coffee with full strength flavor. The idea is that you take a break from that caffeine buzz and I created it with pregnant and breastfeeding women in mind who want to consume less caffeine but don't want to settle for a terrible tasting decaf or weak coffee. I originally weaned myself off caffeine before I fell pregnant because after a bit of research I knew it was what I needed to do to support my hormones um, and make sure my body was at its like best state before I got pregnant and I know that you also have to be careful of your caffeine consumption while you're pregnant and breastfeeding. Um, we work with we work directly with one of Perth's best coffee roasters to create these blends and the feedback I've had on flavor has been incredible. Um, you can check out the reviews over on the Facebook page which is just Bev's Buzz Break um, and I want to give listeners of the Post Party Project a 10% off so you can use code PPP at checkout for 10% off of any of the products and the website is Bev's Buzz Break com.au. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and listening to Claudia's experience. If you're enjoying the post party project, make sure you subscribe um, or follow so you don't miss an episode. I'd also be so grateful if you have a moment to leave me a quick review on Apple iTunes. Now let's get into today's chat. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today, Claudia. I'm so excited to chat with you and hear all about your story, your birth and your postpartum and how you've been. So thanks for joining me. That's all right. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Cool. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and who's in your family. So it's myself and my husband, Mark. Um, We have been together for 10 years now. Um, We got married on New Year's Eve, the one that's just been, so about nine months. Um, We have our little dog, Bailey, who was our first child. And now we have um, our girl, Sadie, who's 11 weeks. 
Oh, wow. So you got married nine months ago. Does that mean she was conceived like <laughs> before the wedding? <laughs> yes. So we had a bit of a um, question about when we wanted to try for a baby. We knew we essentially wanted kids straight away. We had so many kids around us and all our friends had babies. And um, I knew that I didn't really want to be drunk on my wedding. So I knew that if I was pregnant on the wedding, that it wouldn't really impact it at all. Um and we kind of had this, I guess, dream scenario where we would announce the pregnancy at the wedding, but we were also aware that, you know, it could take a long time. It doesn't necessarily happen, happen straight away for everybody. Um, so we thought we'd try. It was about 12 weeks before our wedding, um, and I thought, you know, if we're pregnant by the wedding, it would be pretty great to be able to announce that. Um, and then, yeah, we were 12 weeks and two days for our wedding. So oh God. <laughs> we did get to do a little announcement and it was amazing. Um, I'm not very good at keeping secrets, so I told most of my family and friends. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. it was still really good, yeah. Wow, that's so good. So you literally had decided to try and it worked first go? Yeah, I feel like I just kind of... I guess looked at him and we were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, were you in shock at how quickly it happened or I think I was, but at the same time I was really impatient. I did about 10 pregnancy tests um <laughs> between the time that we started trying um and when I found out I was pregnant, I think I was only about 3 or 4 weeks pregnant when I found out. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so I think I was in shock at how quickly it worked, but at the same time I think I would have gone mad if it waited, if I had to wait any longer. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so crazy. And most people would be avoiding like that until after the wedding as well. Just <laughs> how was your wedding not drinking? Or are you not a big drinker anyway? Well, I am, but um, <laughs> I just feel like, you know, it was the one day where I didn't want to, I didn't want to forget anything. Um I knew that I just wanted to be really present and that I wanted to only have like a drink or two. You know, I love a good night out partying, but, you know, I mean, it takes one too many drinks to make a fool out of yourself and or just forget things. And I just knew that I didn't want to forget anything. I mean, I spent so long, you know, wanting to be married to Mark and, and we had this beautiful vision in our head and, and it was such a nice wedding. Like it was so beautiful. I was had a bit of morning sickness at the beginning of the pregnancy, but it was gone. I remember Christmas Day, I woke up and I felt so good. I had my first coffee in a few months. And, yeah, so a week before the wedding, I just felt like a new person and I had no morning sickness. Um, it was amazing. I was able to remember the whole thing. I still enjoyed myself. I wasn't too tired. And um, it was just so good because I feel like once we got married, everybody would be saying, okay, when are you having kids now? Mm. And rather than tackle that question, we were just able to be like, already doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how was your pregnancy then? Did you feel okay throughout? You said you had a little bit of morning sickness? or Yeah, so um, I thought that I was going to be totally fine. We all have that kind of hopeful, you know, wishful thinking. About six weeks I got pretty um, just nauseous. Um, my husband and I had been on this very intense wedding diet, so I'd lost heaps of weight. I was feeling amazing, um, eating so well, and then suddenly all I wanted was pasta 
and just constant snacks. You know, I'd go like half an hour to an hour without food and I'd just be ravenously hungry. <laughs> and so um, the from about six weeks to 12 weeks, I was just nauseous. I think I only threw up once or twice. Um, of course, it was the one time I did really throw up was at work in a bush. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, the second trimester was just physically, it was incredible. I had a little bit of hip pain, a little bit of back pain, but um, we were working from home for such a big portion of it. My husband and I work at the same company, so we were both working from home probably from about February until more or less I had Sadie. Um, so every morning we'd get up, we'd go for a walk, um, and we were just able to stay really, you know, fit. And um, my diet improved once I could eat a little bit better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, physically, it was a really um, seamless pregnancy for me. I felt like I was very lucky in that regard. I feel like emotionally was where I really got a bit unstuck with the pregnancy. It was something that. I really wanted, I really wanted to be pregnant. We were in such a good position financially. You know, we own our house. Um, we had good jobs. We are twenty. We were 27 and 29 at the time. We knew that we were ready. Um, and then the minute I felt pregnant, you know, it was amazing. But the further I went into the pregnancy, I just started thinking, you know, with COVID and just so many things started coming up where I just started thinking, oh, my God, am I really going to bring a child into this world? And, you know, every time I'd kind of say to someone, I'm I'm really anxious or I'm really stressed and I'm really worried and this kind of thing, a lot of people just tell you, like, oh, that's totally normal when you're having a baby. And I guess in some regard it is, but it got to a point where I remember I was sitting there and I had my hand on my stomach and I felt, her kick and I pulled my hand away because I just felt so I guess I don't know disconnected and and just so overwhelmed and I just you know I just couldn't stand it anymore I was crying all the time I was you know just the thoughts in my head were very illogical and I just found myself not wanting to be it's not that I didn't want myself to be pregnant but I wanted to pause and eventually, you know, you can only take so much of people saying, oh, it's normal, it's totally normal. And everyone's trying to be very helpful and they were so good because they do just say it's totally normal. Um, but at some point it's not. So I remember my husband said, you know, it's time that we speak to someone. And I think within a day, maybe two days, I had an appointment with my obstetrician I was on a mental health plan, on medication. I was seeing a psychologist and being watched very closely by my obstetrician. And it just changed the whole pregnancy for me. It, it just went from this dark, you know, impending doom to something that it was always meant to be, which is this, you know, beautiful little child coming into the world. And, um, yeah, so I, th- I think it's really it's really lucky that I had my husband who was very aware of what was going on and wasn't just putting it down to normal pregnancy emotions. Um, But it's really hard to identify when it's normal and when it's not um, and how much worry is normal and how much worry is overwhelming because the whole thing is overwhelming, isn't it? You know, I mean, we fall pregnant and then it's like you are responsible for this tiny person and you can't leave the room without them. And, 
I just started having these thoughts. I can't travel. And I remember thinking, you know, I can't get on a bike and ride around the block, you know, just the most ridiculous thoughts like that where you start thinking, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. But eventually you just kind of realise that it's not about you anymore. And it's a great feeling when you do kind of come back to earth and you can logically think about these things. But when you're in a dark space like that, it's it's really, really hard and um, it's hard to identify that. So I'm very lucky that I was able to get out of that space quite quickly. Yeah, it's yeah. so good that your partner was able to recognise that it is it was more than just a normal thought because if you're having those thoughts so deeply and so regular, then, yeah, mm. like it is really good that he was able to pick that up. Did you feel that they weren't normal? Like did you kind of know that they weren't? There was a part of me that did, but I don't know. There was just a part of me that also was just thinking that I was going to be a really terrible mom and, you know, we just got pregnant because everybody else was doing it. And I don't know. There was I would go back and forward. There was, there was parts of me that thought this isn't normal. But instead of me thinking, you know, this is depression, I would start thinking this isn't normal. I shouldn't have a baby because normal people are really happy about having a baby. And I think it's so much when everyone in your surroundings, you know, you can't hide being pregnant at a certain point and people say, no, you'll never sleep again. You'll never be on your own again and you'll never do this and you'll never do that. And what they're saying is true. You will never sleep again properly, I guess, but it just doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's, I, I can't really explain it, but when people start to tell you these things, they say it with such love and such, you know, they just want the best for you and they're just kind of having a nice chat with you and connecting with you because they've had a baby and they have children and they know what it's like. And in a way, they're kind of telling you not to feel alone because nobody sleeps, you know. But if you're not in a good space and every second person you're meeting is saying, well, you'll never sleep again, you know, you just get further and further into this place where you go, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah, so, I know. Yeah, I remember, I, feel, I remember feeling the same way and I was so confused why so many people would just say these kind of like negative things to me because when you're in that position when you're pregnant, you don't know what it feels like to have all that love for your baby and not, not even everyone has that love, I mean, straight away. But I was just like, it doesn't make sense though. Like if it's so negative and people are saying all this stuff to me, like why do people have more? Because like no yeah. one can like put into words how much love and that that like amazing feeling you get as well and it's like why aren't people yeah. walking around saying that to you like why do people exactly like, people like prefer to bond over the negative things I guess they really do you know they just they you're exactly right they just say you'll never sleep again and you and they don't talk about the fact that yeah you might wake up in the middle of the night and you'll be tired but then you go over to the bassinet and you see this tiny little person and their face is looking up at you and you're not tired anymore. You just want to hold them and you just want to hug them. And, you know, at 3 a.m., you know, on the chair in the living room while your husband's sleeping and everyone else is getting rest, it just doesn't matter. Like, mm. it, it doesn't matter that you're not sleeping. Of course, you'd be, prefer to be sleeping, but you'd also prefer to have this little baby. And, mm. it, yeah, I mean, I guess I've had some of the best little moments between me and Sadie you know, just sitting on the couch at 3am and, you know, listening to music or me trying to get her to sleep. And it's, 
it's people talk about so much of the bad stuff and I get it because they're not lying but it's just not what it's not what motherhood it's not what having a baby is it's not sleepless nights it's you know when they start smiling or looking at their little eyelashes and those kinds of things so yeah it's it's really hard because people mean mean so well but if you're in the wrong space, it can just really push you further down. So, yeah. yeah. And like, it is hard to understand when you haven't yet experienced a baby yet or people who don't have kids. And this might sound like super lame, but this is how I would explain it to some of my girlfriends who don't have babies when they would kind of say, oh, that, that must suck being so sleep deprived or whatever. And I was like, oh, it like it does suck. But this is how I would describe it. When I first started seeing Jared and we went to Europe separately and I didn't see him for a couple of months and then we saw each other and we literally like spent the whole night staying up talking and cuddling and stuff and hanging out. And I like obviously didn't sleep the whole night, but I was I was so happy that I got to be with him. And I'm like, it's kind of like that having a kid. Like I'm so happy that I have her and I get to be with her. And the tiredness doesn't matter because I love her so much. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like you come, you you get this kind of mum adrenaline and, you know, you start celebrating four or five hours of sleep and, and it's just so worth it. I mean, you know, when you put them down to sleep and you look at them and you go, I already miss you Mm. and I want you to wake up so I can cuddle you. Or when they fall asleep on you and you're like, this is the best feeling in the world. You know, waking up at 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock or, you know, every half hour or so. I'm not saying that everybody should love it because it Mm. is hard, but you do miss them and you just, when you see them, you're like, I don't mind being awake because you're just so cute and I just love you so much and I don't want you to sit there and cry while I sleep. I want to make you feel better. Mm. So it's a very different kind of love and everybody tells you that you're not prepared for how much love you're going to feel for this person and you know you start thinking how have you been in the in the world for three days and I know that I would throw myself in front of a bus for you you know like it's mm. just such a, a strange feeling and it doesn't matter how many times people explain it to you you just will never get it until you feel it yeah exactly and it's like you kind of when you're so tired as well you're like I can't wait for those days where they sleep through the night or whatever and now Ivy mostly sleeps through the night but then I literally am like I wish she'd wake up at 2am so I could just go and cuddle her and then I'm like what's wrong with me I am like mental (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know when she starts sleeping through the night I mean even if she sleeps for like four hours I sometimes wake up at about two hours and I'm like is she alive (laughs) yeah I know it's like when does it stop like Ivy being 18 months now I still wake up and like zoom in on the monitor I'm like is she still breathing I'm like am I gonna do that until she's like 15 (laughs) she will always have a monitor (laughs) um so how did you go then after that um how was the support that you received did you feel yeah did you feel good continuing on with your pregnancy yeah I think um once I was on the right medication and I kind of you know, was able to put a bit of a bit of a label to what I was feeling, and and I was told, you know, you shouldn't be feeling this negative, and you should feel more positive about things. Um, things just started to get really good. You know, I we have such amazing family. Um, you know, my older sister is incredible. Um, she actually got married nine months after we had Sadie, so she had so much going on, but she was incredible. Always kind of, you know, just checking in and things like that. We have um, a lot of good friends around us. We've had two, uh, three of our closest friends have had babies in the last year. Um, and so, you know, we've got a couple down the road, two of them who had a baby almost a year before Sadie. 
Um, and so we were just we were just able to see families in action. You know, we were able to see people interact with their babies and each other, and we were able to hold babies. And we really got a sense of what it's like to have a child. And it just looked like so much fun. Not all the time, but, you know, it just looked like something we really wanted to be a part of. And we had so much support and we still do, you know, our both our parents are just incredible. Um, Sadie is the first um, granddaughter on my side and grandchild on Mark's side. So she's probably going to be spoiled rotten. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like all of our friends are incredible and we just, Mark and I have always just felt like a really good team. Um, so. You know, he was more involved in designing the nursery than I was. And mm-hmm. he was, you know, picking out, you know, breastfeeding pillows and very consciously researching breast pumps and things like that. He's very involved and, and that's something that I'm really, really grateful for because he made it a lot easier. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think I would have had anything ready for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, the support was incredible throughout mm-hmm. the pregnancy, definitely. Um, did you have much of a birth plan going into birth? So our birth plan was to not really have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of people have a plan and they have a vision for their pregnancy, which I really respect and I think it's incredible to work so hard towards this plan. Um, and I don't know if it was just a mix of fear or what, but I just thought I'm just going to let you know let the doctors kind of take the lead. Um, I was giving birth at Mount Lawley, St. John of God. Um, I had an incredible obstetrician. Um, and all I kind of knew is that I wanted pain relief. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't really feel the pull to, you know, have a natural birth or a water birth or anything. Um, but I did have quite a bad needle phobia at the beginning of my pregnancy. Um, it was quite bad. I found this. Um, service that does blood tests from home so they actually come to your house and do the blood test so you can sit on your couch and just be a little bit more comfortable um, a little bit in your own space and for me that worked incredible it was called satin pathology Um, it just really helped the anxiety Um, of course then there was the COVID you know booster uh, or the COVID vaccinations the whooping cough all that kind of stuff so you do eventually get that kind of beaten out of you but I knew I just really wanted to um, have some pain relief. So um, we were just going to go natural vaginal birth and epidural. That's kind of the plan. Um, but I was very nervous for the epidural. So a needle in the back is not something that a needle phobia person wants. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was like when I was like wanting to have a vaginal birth, that was my biggest fear as well. I was like, I'll just go no pain, like no drugs, just because I don't want to have a needle. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, I um, tried to toss up what was the lesser of two evils, you know, feeling everything or feeling the needle. So <laughs> <laughs> so how did you go into labour and, yeah, when did you go into labour? So um, we were due on July 13th. Um, Sadie was estimated, estimated to be quite big. Um, they said she would be about 4.2 kilos by her 40 weeks um and my husband is six foot six so he's quite tall so we knew that the likelihood of her being a long baby was quite high um in all the scans they were saying that she was you know going to be quite big 
So they said, look, if you don't go into labour early, we can induce you, um, which is something I wasn't opposed to because I didn't want to have a big baby. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> it was already scary enough. Yeah. Um, so we were getting, we were booked to be induced eight days before um, she was due, so July the 5th, um, but she dropped quite low um, about three or four weeks before that. So we were expecting to go into labour naturally. Um, we went into lockdown about th- just over three weeks before we were booked into be induced because if Mark got COVID, he wouldn't be able to come to the birth. And for me, that was probably the biggest fear, apart from having an episiotomy. <laughs> that kind of was a terrible fear as well. But um, for me, I really wanted him there. So we thought we'll go into lockdown to make sure that neither of us get COVID. Neither of us had had it yet. So we were um, very nervous. Um, the night before, I went out for dinner with some girlfriends and I sat across from a friend and next to my sister who both got COVID the next day. Oh so I don't God. know how I didn't get it. Oh, jeez, you must have been um, freaking out. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very strange. But um, so, yeah, we spent three weeks in lockdown. We had every meal cooked. Everything was perfectly planned. I did everything to get her out. I spent my life on the football. We were going for walks. Um, I did the gardening five days before she came. I was on my knees doing the weeding. I tried everything. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she was very stubborn. Um, so I, the closer we got to the induction day, I really didn't want to be induced. I wanted to kind of have that moment of, you know, oh my God, my water's broken. We're going into labor. I kind of wanted it to be a surprise, um, but that never happened. So, um, on the Monday, the 4th of July, we packed up our stuff and we got in the car and drove to the hospital. And I cried halfway because I was so scared. <laughs> um, yeah. And then so when – do you want me to talk about, like, the birth now? Yeah, yeah. Let's go into it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so when we went to the hospital, we checked in, and it was just the most surreal moment because you check into the maternity ward – oh, no, the birthing suite, sorry – and they just kind of pop you in there and they're like, cool. We'll, we'll be back soon and you're just sitting there and it's like it's kind of like being in a hotel but not a hotel but kind of a waiting room I don't know it was just so strange um and I, I don't know if maybe they thought I knew more about how it was going to go but they just kind of they were just kind of not brief with the information but I think they yeah I think they maybe thought I knew what was happening so anyway, one of the nurses came in and I just said, can you please tell me what's going to happen because I don't know. Um, so that night they said, oh, you know, we're going to do, uh, we're going to put in the, um, what's the gel called? Progesterone gel or some kind of gel. Um, and that's kind of going to prepare your cervix for going into labour. Um, and that might keep starts and contractions. And then in the morning, you'll come in and break your waters and do the epidural and um, put the needle in your hand. And then we'll basically get started from there. Um, so they did um, the gel. And I think that was probably about 6.30, maybe 7 o'clock. Um, 
and I just remember that because they do obviously an internal examination to make sure that you're not dilated already. Um, and I remember that internal examination was so horrifically painful and I was just in, <coughs> oh, bless you. Sorry. <laughs> little baby sneeze. Yeah, cute little sneeze. <laughs> um, it was so painful and I remember just, yeah, honestly it was horrific and my obstetrician said oh your cervix is quite far far back or far away or something and and we're kind of struggling to get to it so that wasn't fun but so they gave me the um the gel and almost straight away I started feeling contractions um and they said we'll give you something to go to sleep relax um because you really need your rest so I Started feeling contractions. I told my husband to go to sleep. Of course, he's, like I said, six foot six and he's sleeping on one of those recliner chairs. I mean, it was just one of the funniest things. He was (laughs) so long. I don't know how he slept, but he did. Um, And then I was feeling contractions and they said, look, if you're in too much pain, let us know and we'll give you some pethidin. Um, And because pethidin came in a needle, I tried to kind of, um waited out and just kind of deal with it myself so it got to about 5 30 in the morning I hadn't slept and I thought okay I should really get this medication so I ended up getting that needle I fell asleep by about six just after six and then they woke me up at seven. Oh my god <laughs> to get started so oh. <laughs> so um they um, broke my waters. They did another internal examination, which, again, was just so, so painful. And um, I remember one of the midwives said to me, oh, you know, I have really long fingers and I've never had trouble finding a cervix like this, which it's just not what you want to hear. So that was just really, really painful. And they just kept on talking about how far back it was or, or I don't know. I don't know the terminology, but anyway, they so couldn't what find does that, it. What does that mean? Does that mean like that you weren't ready, or does it mean that's just your body? Or I think it's just the way my body was, okay. to be honest. Yeah, yeah, because I went into labour, and mm. you know all this kind of stuff. But um, there was there was something not right because yeah, it's. I think also the way she was born, and and I, I personally think she was stuck. I don't really know, but. Um, yeah, when she came out, it was, yeah, I have no idea what it means, to be honest. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure if they Not might have helpful. said something too. No, I just wasn't sure, yeah. Interesting. No, I, I should probably find out before I have my next baby so I don't have to go through that again. But <laughs> um, they did give me the gas mare because the one of the internal examinations was so painful. He said, we're going to get you something. Um, they gave me the gas mare and... That stuff is magic. I had so much fun on that gas in there. I don't know if anybody, I know some people don't like it, but, oh, honestly, that was, you could have done anything and I wouldn't have cared. It's <laughs> <was> so good. <laughs> yeah, so I had that. I also had that when I got the epidural, which was amazing. My obstetrician was, you know, sitting behind. I had my husband in the front and he just talked to me the whole time. He started talking about his kids and skiing and it was just such a good distraction. And you could feel it. Obviously, I felt it. It wasn't comfortable, but it. I didn't have the same anxiety I, I would have if I didn't have the gas in there. Um, 
it definitely makes you feel a bit bit unwell, but it was fine. Um, so throughout the day, we were just kind of waiting it out. Um, I'd had no sleep, so I was just kind of going through these waves of feeling the contractions still, because I, I could still feel them even with epidural, feeling the contractions and then coming out of the contractions. And I think I was almost hallucinating from exhaustion. I was so oh. tired. I remember at one point, these three nurses were standing next to me talking and then suddenly they were gone because there was no nurses there in the first place and I was just kind of really in my own world and at one point you know I saw Mark start walking down this hallway and I said where are you going and then I kind of realized that there was no hallway and he was still standing next to me and it was just really weird so yeah I think that was just me kind of half dreaming Mm. um so yeah um, so it got to about, I want to say maybe 12 or one o'clock. I'm not too sure. And the obstetrician said, look, um, your baby's not very happy. So, um, in about 20 minutes, we're probably going to go for a C-section. Oh, wow. Um, and I said, oh, what do you mean not happy? And they said, oh, she's either sitting or grabbing her cord. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said like, you know, that's probably what we're going to do. And I kind of turned to Mark. I said, is that all right? And we were like, yep, that's fine. We were very aware that this could happen. So we were really calm about it. We were like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever needs to happen. Um, and then they put this medicine ball kind of thing under. No, it, it kind of looked like one of those jelly bean oh, like balls. A, I think like a peanut. Is it called a peanut ball or something? Yeah, yeah, peanut ball. They put one of them under my left leg and they said, mm. we'll just give it a bit of time. And then 15 minutes later, she'd moved. So, oh, wow. yeah, so that was fine. Um, and then throughout the like, afternoon, I just kind of said, this epidural doesn't seem to be working. It is so sore still. I was in agony. I was still using the gas. Um, and I kind of, at one point, I leaned forward and my husband looked at where the epidural was and there was blood all around it. And he said, I, I think it's actually fallen out. Oh. So, the midwives took a look and they said, yeah, look, it has slipped out and it's probably only still there a little bit. So it's only getting one side. So I could feel everything on my left side, but nothing on my right. Um, and so they said, look, we'll do it again and we'll go from there. So they did it again. And when they, I, I felt them kind of put it in. And then I heard my obstetrician say, oh, we just hit a blood vessel. Can you get me a new epidural kit? So <laughs> that was my second one. So then I had a third one. Yeah. Um, and that one seemed to work. And then as soon as they put it in, they kind of laid me down, checked um, how much I was dilated, and it was time to go, like, it's ready, oh. ready to have her. Um, and it just kind of all happened really fast. And I just looked at my husband and burst into tears and I said, I'm really scared and I don't want to do this. Oh. And Had the pain you know, relief, had the new epidural kicked in or could you still feel everything? Um, for a bit, I think at the beginning I could still kind of feel a little bit, but I couldn't feel any of the contractions by the time they started saying, you know, it's time to push right. because they started saying, um, you know, push on the contractions. And I said, I, I can't feel anything. So... <laughs> That was one thing that was quite good. But at the same time, it probably would have helped if I could feel it a bit. Um, I, yeah, so I was just kind of 
really, really upset. I think I just said, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to do this. <laughs> and, you know, Mark was saying, we, you don't have a choice. We've just got to get it done now. <laughs> so <laughs> I felt really um, exposed. I had like a sports, like a little crop top on. But I remember just saying, I feel really exposed because it's not something that you're used to, you know, legs up to the world and people down there. And this nurse just came over with a little blanket and just put it over my stomach. And it was just, it didn't really cover anything, but it just made me feel so comforted and, and you know, cared for. Mm. So we basically just got started. And I had one nurse with um, her hands on my stomach feeling for the contractions and then they were kind of telling me when to go. Um, I think I missed two or three contractions because I was just saying I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then eventually I just, you know, you just start pushing because there's nothing else you can do about it. Um, he did tell me that we'd probably need the suction and, um, that was fine. I, um, I didn't really know what was going on down there. So, um, he got the suction out and I think that obviously didn't work because then they got the forceps out, um, which are very intimidating when you see them. They're like really, really big, solid uh, sorry, really big salad tosses, like oh. mixes. Oh. Um, yeah, so that was quite intimidating. Um, and then I remember just feeling it like you can, it's really weird to explain and you probably know what I mean, but you can feel the shape of them moving down and it's just such a strange feeling. And I was feeling her quite, quite far back and um yeah I, I, honestly I don't really know what happened after that but then they just said look up and she was there oh my god yeah so I don't think I was pushing for very long um but yeah she was there and she was so cute and she had this huge red mark down her face um she looked like that pink Floyd, I think it's the Pink Floyd CD cover where they've got the red lightning stripes oh, on their yeah. face. Yeah. She kind of looked like that. And um, they gave it to me and I was just, you know, in just shock. And I was just looking at her toes and her little hands. And yeah, it was just the weirdest feeling. Um, and then my, I torn quite badly. Um, and at one point, point he did tell me that he had to do an episiotomy um but again you just don't really care what's happening um and so even with the episiotomy I had torn pretty badly um and I think normally with third degree tearing they take you down to surgery to stitch you up um but luckily my obstetrician just did it then right there and then so I was quite distracted everything was still happening um, I was holding her. I didn't have time to really think about it. So, um, yeah, it was it was great. Like, I mean, it wasn't great, but it was good in the the way that I was able to hold her and stay distracted while um, I was getting stitched up. Could you feel any of it, or was the epidural still going okay? I could feel a little bit. I could feel the tugging, um, and I did say to him, "I can feel that," and he gave me a little bit more local anaesthetic. Um, yeah, I could I could feel it, but I don't know. I was just kind of very distracted. Mm. But I would I remember kind of jumping and flinching a little bit 
Um, and he was he was pretty good about it though. He was good. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. how did you did you birth the placenta and everything while you were there? Did you yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. So I think that they gave me there's a needle they give you for it. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So they. I guess they gave me that needle, I don't remember. But, yeah, they I birthed the placenta, um, which they show you after. It's just crazy. Like, oh, I never I saw mine. Got- no. I had a oh, C-section, though, so I don't know what. I think dad saw it, but, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because they, they bring it out and they show you and they say, this is the little sack that they sit in. And you're like, what? It's just the weirdest. It's a little home. It looks like a little alien disc. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's very, very strange. So, um, yeah, I birthed that and then we probably spent just about, I want to say about an hour there with her, just kind of obsessing over her. Um, It was really strange. One of the things I did was have music playing because I wanted to kind of be distracted from a lot of the sounds that were happening. Um, So I'd thrown together this playlist really quickly um, in the last two weeks or something. And the song that was playing when she was born was Fix You by Coldplay. Yeah. And so whenever Mark and I play that song, it's very hard not to cry. Um, but, yeah, so we just had music playing in the background and the nurses are kind of cleaning up around us and, you know, we're hysterically crying and, <laughs> you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just this very surreal moment where it's just all – it's all happened and your whole pregnancy you're kind of just thinking about the birth and you know obviously you're thinking about this baby but it's it's this real pivotal point where you just really I don't know stuck on it so um it just kind of was all over and I mean I had suction forceps a very big episiotomy and third degree tearing but I didn't really notice I didn't really know what had happened and I think the whole time I felt so cared for and so safe and, you know, it just didn't matter. And I never at any point felt like I was in any danger. I always felt like they had my back. They knew what was going on. And, you know, even though I was so scared of little needles, this massive birth just went away. Like it just happened and then it's just over. And it's I just wish I could have told myself what it would be like emotionally, not physically throughout the pregnancy so I wouldn't have been so scared of it Mm. so yeah 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 I know I felt the same I feel like you don't think about well you don't know what you're going to feel like when the baby comes and then the baby's there and you're like wow I worried about birth for so long and then now I'm here and this is like actually the best thing ever and now when like my friends or anyone tells me they're pregnant and that they're going to go through all of that I'm like man you're so lucky like it's going to be so awesome like no matter what happens it's going to be awesome yes (laughs) yeah I know it's like you could be ripped from back to front and you still love it so much you still have another (laughs) yeah that's why people go back yeah Yeah, I got home and I was like let's have another one yeah um so how did you decide to feed Sadie so I think for me I was really um again I wasn't a stickler for breastfeeding I I don't know there was something about it that felt not not that it wasn't natural but I knew that everybody felt very connected with this idea of breastfeeding and everyone felt so passionately about breastfeeding 
And I didn't feel that way. I felt awkward. I felt, you know, like I just, I don't know. There's, I, I think it was probably mixed in with a bit of the depression that I was feeling, but I just didn't feel connected to it in the way that I knew other people felt. Um, there seems to be this thing in pregnancy where people tell you that, you know, you're a goddess and your body's built for this and, you know, your body is amazing and it's incredible and all the things it does and women are, you know, warriors of the world. And they're right, we are, but, you know, it's hard to kind of feel that and see that when you're pregnant and you feel overweight and your hips kind of sore and you're really tired and things like that. So, And then when you have a pregnancy that or, or labour, sorry, that requires however many stitches, you don't feel like you're this natural wonder. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. when it came to breastfeeding, I was just kind of very happy to go along with it. I thought if I can, I will. If I can't, whatever. I'm not going to put that much pressure on me. I knew that I really wanted Mark to be involved and he really wanted to be involved um, with the feeding side of things. Like I wanted him to be able to give her a bottle. Um, so if we needed to do formula again, wasn't that fast. Um, when she was born, I just wanted to breastfeed. Like I just decided that that's what I wanted to do. It's easier, that's for sure. Um, but my milk didn't come in for a while, about three or uh, four or five days. Um, and so she very quickly lost a lot of weight and she turned, she got really jaundiced. Um, and so I remember being in the hospital and um, they said, look, she's lost more than 10% of her body weight. She's jaundiced. She's too tired to try and eat. And because she can't eat, she's not, she's too tired. And it's just a vicious cycle. And I was talking to one of the nurses and I said, well, why can't we just give her a bit of formula just to kind of get her through, get her weight up until my milk comes in and help her sleep? Because, of course, she was sleepy, but she was waking up because she was hungry, but then she wouldn't eat. And, yeah. So the nurse said, that's completely fine. If you want to give her some formula, we can. Um, and we did. And she just slept solid. She slept so well. And she just seemed settled for the first time. And it was amazing. And we we knew that obviously I wanted to keep breastfeeding, but until my milk came in, we just had to do what was best for her. We needed her to gain weight. We needed her to get some energy. And that was just the right thing for us to do. Um, and then I had a visit from a lactation consultant who came in and started talking to me about breastfeeding and how was I going and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, look, we gave her some formula because, you know, we needed to. And she said to me, we really want to avoid formula. It's really not the best option. Um, we really want to try and, you know, get breastfeeding under control when it's something that, you know, if you need help with, we can sort the help out. And I don't know if it's maybe just how hypersensitive I was, you know, but I thought to myself, I am three days, two or three days after giving birth to this baby, I've had absolutely no sleep. I can't walk. I can't go to the bathroom on my own. I am, you know, completely ripped to shreds, basically. My epidural site had gotten infected. So, mm. you know, my back was in so much pain. And I thought to myself, I'm lying here in bits, you know, so sore, so tired. 
and you come in and tell me that my body isn't doing what it needs to do to feed my baby and that by giving her formula, I've done the wrong thing. Mm. And I've never felt so angry at someone and I I could have gotten down on myself and I'm, you know, it's very easy to think my body's not doing the right thing. And it wasn't at that point. I wasn't producing enough milk. But I thought, I've done enough, you know, mm. like I... I made the right choice and I just started crying and then I rolled over and went to sleep. (laughs) She was still in the room, but you know, my husband eventually just got her out. She booked me an appointment to come and see her the following week. And I just canceled it straight away because I thought I don't want to be with someone that's going to, you know, judge me and Mm -hmm. tell me that, you know, a decision that we made to get her to put on weight and to sleep, you know, was the wrong one. Yeah, And I just thought this is, I completely understand why breastfeeding is a good option for people. I love it now. You know, it is an awesome option, but I know people that really struggle with it. And for these points of view to, to literally tell us that our body isn't doing the right thing after what we go through to have these babies, it's just crazy that anyone has the, the nerve to say that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I breastfeed her now. Um, I do express and my husband gives her a bottle at night um, so he gets that time with her and she does take the bottle, which is really lucky. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it could have gone either way. It could have gone yeah. maybe I maybe I couldn't produce any milk, maybe she couldn't take a bottle, maybe she didn't want to breastfeed. It, yeah. Yeah, so, and you never yeah. know what kind of, inf- like what what she said. If that if she said that to the wrong type of, time of person, type of person, um, yeah, you could have just been like, oh, well, it sent, could have sent you into like postnatal anxiety or depression and then you would have just Absolutely. could have gone straight to formula. Like that's just so damaging the way she worded that to you. Yeah, it really was. And, you know, I, I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe it's just because I'm sensitive because I've had no sleep and just had a baby. But I thought, well, these are the kinds of people that she's dealing with. She's yeah. always going to be dealing with it's people days out from having a baby. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this whole breast is best. I understand where people come from. I'm not saying that they're wrong, but I just think fed is best. And, you know, we do enough. Mm. We shouldn't have to feel guilty because we can't breastfeed or we don't want to, you know. Sometimes it's so painful and it, it keeps you up at night. And I remember, like, you know, I've struggled a little bit to feed her in the last week and, I had this day and luckily my husband was home, but I remember just sobbing and she was crying because I couldn't feed her properly and she wouldn't eat. And I was sobbing and I thought, oh my God, do people do this every day? Mm. You know, it's just crazy what, what we do yeah, and what we're willing to put up with from other people. Yeah, exactly. It's such hard work and you have the baby. And I think before you've had the baby, you don't really think about how much work then breastfeeding is for the next however long you decide to breastfeed or just feeding in general, feeding them for the rest of their lives (laughs) is tough. Honestly, yeah. I mean, breastfeeding is hard, but when I have to decide what to feed her every day, that's going to be even worse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like there's just a whole nother layer of like mum guilt. Like, Like Ivy, if she doesn't eat her dinner now, I'm like, okay, well, she has to eat something. So I just make her like a peanut butter sandwich. And then I'm like, it's like, what nutrition is she getting in that? Like, I just overthink it. It's just, this we is all just do. We die. <laughs> yeah. you know, this is just our life forever. <laughs> yeah. um, how did you feel when you got home? Did you feel like you were quite, um, did you have a lot of support at home or how did that go? Um, 
yeah, we did have a lot of support. I mean, we had people that were just a lot of our family, you know, my sister, my parents, Mark's parents, Mark's family, all of our friends, they, they were dying to come and visit. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. We had people bring us food, you know, coffees, everything. Um, I was on some real serious painkillers though. So the first night I got home, we, so we, we went in on the Monday, we had her on the Tuesday and we came out on the Saturday afternoon and we had some friends come over that afternoon, brought us food, cheese, so I could finally eat cheese, <laughs> yeah. um, lollies, just just all the kind of good stuff. And I remember just kind of sitting on this couch and I was so out of it. I think I was asleep half the time, honestly. <laughs> so that was the first night. Um, but honestly, since the minute we brought her home, it has just felt so normal. It's like there was something missing from our house and now she's here. Mm. It it's just felt very natural. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the support we give each other, Mark and I, you know, mixed with what we get from our families. Um, both our mothers are, are willing to babysit. So if I need to go for, you know, an appointment, I can um a massage I can it's it's a, it's incredible that we have so much support I do obviously love just spending the time with her um but having that around can be quite helpful so mm. yeah yeah um did anything come up for you postpartum that you weren't aware of or didn't expect um I think probably for me the recovery so far has been quite intense um Having the infection in my back was really, um, really put me off. That that really hurt for a long time. Um, the stitches were horrific. I I remember getting out the car one day and I kind of slid along the seat for some reason. And oh my god, the pain! Like, if anyone is going to have an episiotomy, you need to get one of those rings that you sit on because. Oh, yeah. Even sitting on the couch was so painful and that's what you need to basically do. You need to sit there and feed all the time. So I think the recovery for me has been really hard. I'm 11 weeks out now um, and I still, you know, I still am not back to normal. I go to the physio every two weeks to kind of get a little bit of support. I can't do... um, like running or jumping exercises. My physio says it will be six to eight months before that can happen. So that side of the recovery has really taken me by surprise. One of the things that, you know, when I, when my doctor was talking to me about, you know, vaginal birth or cesarean, the thing that kind of led me to a, a you know, natural birth was um, the recovery time would be shorter, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, for me, anyway, for my experience. So I think that's probably something that caught me off guard is, um, yeah, it's just not not recovering as quickly as I thought. I thought I would just walk out of there the next day. Yeah. But I couldn't what, walk for four days. Yeah, that's honestly what you hear, hey. And then I have now heard so many different stories that some women have had both a vaginal and a C-section and they say that they recover quickly from the, quicker from the C-section or like yeah. they're able to like they feel like they're more comfortable in having sex sooner with a C-section than a vaginal or like, yeah, there's so yeah. many different things. It's all just so dependent, I guess, on the individual. But, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like they affect different, you know, sides of your body. You know, I had a friend that had a C-section 
and she couldn't, you know, sit up and stand and drive and things like that. But for us, we can't sit or run or, you know, walk for a bit, you know. And so, yeah, I think the natural birth is not always going to be the quickest recovery. And I think I, I wish I did know that. I was the maid of honour for my sister's wedding 10 weeks after I had Sadie. And so I kind of thought I'd be back at the gym, being able to lose weight. And that was so unrealistic. Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm. it took me three weeks to be able to go back on a walk. And I, I tried once going for a walk and it was so painful. And the doctor said, no, like, don't do it yet. And I thought, why? I just want to go for a walk, you know? Yeah, I know it's hard so. to like, it's like, because you just see all this stuff that's like, you know, when you're six weeks post, you can get back to the gym or do whatever. And I'm like, it's just, I don't think I felt okay, even up, up until six months post. And I still felt like I had like pain around my C-section scar. And I'm like, how yeah. are these fit women on Instagram just like getting back into it a week after or whatever? It's just so unrealistic Honestly. in my experience anyway. Yeah. Well, I had a girl tell me that she went for a four kilometer walk three days after she had the baby and I just thought shut up (laughs) yeah Yeah. you know not everyone got to do that I'm not even allowed to run for six months yeah not that I'm a runner but you know jumping and Mm. doing kind of my gym has all these really fun classes that I can't do and Mm. it's you know it's yeah that's that's new that's something I wasn't aware of yeah. Is um do you think is there anything that you'd want to do differently uh if you have a second in the way that you birthed and everything? Um I think my I think I would try and figure out what was going on with my cervix because one of the things that they told Mark when I was having Sadie and why I tore so badly because she actually wasn't a big baby. She was mm. three three point six three kilos. She wasn't a massively big baby. Um, there was something they said, and I could be totally wrong. So, you know, if you're hearing this and I sound like an idiot, just bear with me. <laughs> but my pelvic bone was in the way or posterior or something like that. And basically, I think something was out of shape there, which pushed her down and made her get a little stuck. Um, for me, I kind of believe that that's probably why she dropped but didn't come you know, naturally. Um, so I think maybe figuring that out. Um, I think I think if I didn't feel right in my mind, I would say something a lot sooner. And I think when I speak to people about being pregnant, like, I don't know, for a really long time, I didn't tell anyone that I was, you know, on medication and stuff like that. And then I thought, oh my God, like the reason I didn't say anything is because no one said anything to me. So. I think being very aware of my mental health is something that I'd want to do differently next time. Um, Just, I think maybe just enjoy it more. Enjoy being pregnant more. It's amazing. You can wear all these different clothes and you don't have to suck your stomach in anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, for me, the labour, it was hard, but I'd do it all again. I'd do it 78 times if I had to, you know, it's amazing I did love going private and staying in the hospital I know it's not for everybody but it felt like a holiday for us <laughs> we just had the tv on 24 7 food was being brought to us we had this incredible view of Swan River um so I loved that yeah um how's your mental health been um postpartum 
really good. Honestly, I feel like a completely different person. I just, I like, I'm obviously still on my medication and I don't think I'd be coming off that in a rush, but amazing. I mean, even with the lack of sleep, somehow I just feel so lucky and I'm so happy and it just feels like something was always missing that I didn't realise and, yeah, I think, but staying on top of it, you know, making sure that I'm checking in, my husband's always checking in, yeah, really good, really, really good. What have you found to be most rewarding so far? Um, Just I think probably my favourite thing is when she falls asleep in your arms. Um, She's still little and... So people aren't really saying that I shouldn't be doing those contact naps. You know, I mean, people obviously say that all the time, but there's just so little and you watch every day things change about them and their eyelashes grow and their, you know, cheeks get chubbier and their hands get bigger and their hair changes. And I think just sitting there every day and being able to watch that and we talk about what she's going to be when she grows up and, what her personality is going to be like and just kind of seeing these little things evolve every day is pretty pretty amazing and that's something that has been great I think also seeing my husband as a dad is pretty pretty amazing he's he's I hate to say it but he's very very good (laughs) (laughs) yeah um if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice what would it be um Probably just to kind of embrace it a little bit more and speak up earlier. Um, There's just so much fear around, you know, having a baby and being a mum. And I think that the worst thing we do is fall into this trap of this warrior complex. You know, everybody feels like, you know, they have to be so happy and so in love and you know so beautiful and have this perfect little baby bump and then when the baby's here they have to have a beautiful water birth and no pain relief and then when she's here you go for walks and she's beautiful and you know all those kind of stuff and they're not wrong all those things are possible and amazing if you can get them but I think just being realistic (laughs) yeah being realistic and just realizing that your pregnancy and your birth and your baby and your family is different from every person that you'll ever meet, you know, and all that the advice that everyone's going to give you is just well-intentioned. You know, no one's telling you that you'll never sleep again because they hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just telling you that that's their experience and they just want to bond with you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, did anything else come up for you postpartum so far that we haven't touched on today that you'd want to mention? Um. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I think I think I've basically rambled on for long. <laughs> no, it's been really good. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on and sharing everything. I find I think this is going to be so helpful. I love how much you dived into the pregnancy anxiety as well. I haven't really ever spoken to anyone about that, so I think that's going to be yeah really good for people to hear. Yeah, anytime. Like I said, you know, I think when people realise that some anxiety might be normal, but every day, always, you know, 
if you have to ask yourself, is this amount of stress or worry too much, then it's too much. Mm. That's yeah. when you need to speak to someone. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, well, thank you for joining me today. It's been so lovely having you on and chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved this. It's been amazing. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Um, I am always on the hunt for more postpartum stories. So if you would like to join me and have a chat, um, I would love that. You can get in touch with me over on my email address, which is thepostpartyproject at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram at thepostpartyproject. I can't wait to hear from you.